The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. How do we make disciples? There's four words I want to share with you tonight and in your bulletin there that you got. There's a handout. You can follow right along and get these. And the first word that we're going to talk about is share. Share. You know, the church comes together. And what do we come together to do? We come together to share life, don't we? We learn sharing and sharing the sharing of life from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus shared his life with other people, didn't he? Jesus chose 12 to intimately share his life with. Uh, He went everywhere with them. They saw him. uh, They stayed with him. They ate with him. They interacted with him. Jesus shared his life. Was Jesus ever afraid for people to get close to him? He wasn't afraid. Why? Because he was living the life he should live. And there was nothing that they could see by getting close to him that they would have been disappointed with. Uh, by the way, you get close to Jesus, you will not be disappointed. And neither will I. And Jesus shared life. And he showed us how to make disciples because he called us to be disciple makers. And he said, this is how you're going to do it. You have to share your life. And the truth is, is sometimes as a church, we're selfish. We don't want to share. We don't want to share life. We don't want to share experiences. We don't want to share time. I mean, come on, we're a little stingy with even our time. When it comes to the house of God, it's like time is for service. I'll get there maybe five minutes after it starts, ten minutes later, whatever. I don't want to see anybody. Get in, you know, sit down, shut up, don't talk to anybody, don't, don't get involved with it. And sometimes, I mean, we're, we're just stingy and we're selfish. And can we even just say it this way? We're a little cheap when it comes to God, isn't it? Aren't we sometimes? I mean, we just, we want our life the way that we have it. We don't want it to be disturbed or disrupted. Uh, can I share something with you? Uh, when you have children, life changes. When you bear children, life changes. It's not just you anymore. When you get married, life changes. Uh, if you're married tonight, say amen. When, when you get married, life changes drastically. When, when you have children, life changes drastically, does it not? I mean, it just becomes different. You no longer think of you and what you want to do. You think of them and what they are doing. You think about sharing and you need, you're now responsible for other people. And, and the Bible tells us is, is sometimes we call people and we say to them, hey, listen, you need to be in church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And some people are doing that. I'll just be honest. Some people just forsake coming together with God's church. And I believe it's because they don't understand the strategy of the Christian life. That God wants us to share life together. That he wants us to interact with each other. He doesn't want us to come in, shake hands, say hello, brother, goodbye, brother, and leave, brother, and never see, brother, ever again, except for when we come in uh, to the church building. You know, that's not how you make disciples. You make disciples by sharing your life with them. The people that have the greatest, have had the greatest impact on me were the people, not that I sat, if you would, necessarily next to in the church service, but people who came to the hospital, but people who, who interacted with me when I had trials and tribulations, people who, who wanted to invest in my life, people who didn't ignore me in my life. They wanted to come alongside. They wanted to share their life with my life. 
And I think it's interesting that Jesus gives us that great example as we're talking about following Jesus, that we would follow in his steps, that as a church, we are called to share life, aren't we? I mean, not just share a service, not just share a worship experience, not just share a a, a small bit of time over a week. When we look at the early church, the Bible says they had all things common. The Bible says they gave, they sold, they shared their life together. They shared their food, they shared their clothing, they shared their homes, they shared everything. And now we're lucky if we can maybe get together with a Christian one time a week, if we can fit it into our schedule because we're so busy doing other things. Come on, don't tell me, don't tell me you can't commit uh, to, uh, to uh, the church of God. Jesus is committed to his church, isn't he? Listen, I, I, as I drove down the, the road today, I, I, I saw a little sign and it said, it said softball sign-ups. And I just had this little thought. I said, boy, some people are going to see that sign. They're going to call and they're going to sign their kids up for softball. I thought, that's great. They have softball and there's soccer and there's all kinds of sports to sign up for, aren't there? But you know what I just thought? Isn't it amazing how people resist commitment when it comes to God's church? We say, sign up for this, get involved with that, uh, get involved in a ministry, get involved, sign up and come soul winning, sign up and, and get involved in church, sign up and serve, sign up. And people are like, you shouldn't have to sign up. Don't sign up. Don't commit. Don't commit. Everything else in this world, you're signing everything up for. You give out your email address to every store that wants to give you a rewards card. And then at church, they say, can we have your cell phone number? No. Can we have your email address? No way. Walgreens can have it, but your church can't. You know, uh, sometimes it's amazing how we look at life. We'll share life sometimes selfishly to get what we want. But when it comes to God, when it comes to his church, Don't sign me up. I don't want to share. I don't want to be involved. And a lot of times it's just like, if we see each other once a week, that's enough. I don't see that getting discipleship done. I don't see us changing the world by just interacting on Sunday. You with me? I don't see us changing a community, changing a world by just interacting with people on Sunday. Hey, listen, we ought to be involved in one another. You say, well, people are going to be up in my business and all that kind of stuff, and I'm afraid, and I want, I want, listen, I understand. We have responsibilities, we have jobs, we have schedules, we have work, we have all these things, but we're in this life for the Lord Jesus Christ and following him, not to do all the things that we want to do, and that's what I signed up for when I said I've decided to follow Jesus. How about you? And it takes some sharing. And as we follow Jesus' method, we we emulate what he did. The Bible teaches us that love is the hallmark of people who truly know Jesus. In other words, when we love one another, we want to be together. You with me? When we love, listen, uh, coming to God's house shouldn't be a pain. It should be something we look forward to. It shouldn't be something we have to do, some, something we want to do, we desire to do because we come together, we want to share life together, we want to be involved with, with one another, how much, as much as we possibly can. We want to be as involved as, we, as, as, as much as we possibly can and we see uh, some things in Jesus' life and how are we going to reach this world as disciples? How are we going to make disciples? Well, if you're not willing to share your life with anyone else, you're never going to be able to make a disciple. Because making disciples involves sharing your life. It really does. And letting people get close. 
Letting people get to know you. Uh, many people in ministry made that mystique mistake. You know, this desire of being ad, uh, admired from afar off. You know, sometimes that's, that's what all people do is, is that see you on the platform, pastor, and that's it. I don't want to be a platform pastor. I want to pastor people. I want to be involved with people's lives. I want to share life with you. And so if I say, hey, come over to my house, or I say, hey, I want to come by the house, listen, don't be scared. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's about sharing life together. It's about being involved with each other. It's about encouraging each other. And sometimes uh, we want to be involved everywhere else, but we don't want to be involved with God's people. Sharing. Uh, there's two words that, that come to mind when it comes to sharing what Jesus did. And the first word is incarnation. Incarnation. You say, what does that mean? It means that like Jesus, we enter into a lost world as ministers. What do we do? Incarnation literally means the word became flesh. He made himself touchable. He made himself able to be touched, able to be seen, able to be understood, approachable, understandable, And what our job is as Christians as we share life is that we would make Jesus known to a lost world by entering into this lost world as ministers. In other words, now I understand my purpose as a Christian. The reason why I'm in the world is to minister. You say, well, that's the minister's job. No, God's called us all as Christians to minister, hasn't he? So all of our jobs... We're to go into a lost world to minister to people. To who? Lost people. To people we don't know. To people we've never met. Listen, you can approach someone with the idea that I'm here to minister to this person. If you see someone has a need, you know what God's given you opportunity to do? To minister to them. And who better to minister to someone than a Christian? Because we can minister with the power of God, with the Spirit of God, with the love of God, and make a difference in the lives of people. I mean, it's amazing how many people need to be ministered to, isn't it? It's astounding. It's overwhelming. Sometimes it's so overwhelming, I mean, I just, I'm like, Lord, how in the world are we going to do it? No wonder, no wonder God's plan is not that that one individual reaches everybody. That God's plan is not that, that we gather everyone to ourselves. Listen, Just because we put on the sign that service is at doesn't mean the whole world's going to come to us. God has sent us out into the world as ministers, has he not? He wants us to go into the world with the message of the gospel and make a difference. We have to share our life, but we're going to have to incarnate Christ. That is to make him known in this world by being like Christ in the world. Does not Christ live within us? Come on, are you with me tonight? He lives within us. Uh, He's inside me. He's inside you. What does he want us to do? He wants us to make the Lord Jesus Christ, to make himself known to the people that are in the world around us. Who's around you right now that you need to make Jesus known to? They should know him because they know you. And sometimes we don't let, we have this way of not letting people know that we're a Christian. Not letting people know who we really are. Not letting people know. We don't want to allow them to get close because they could hurt us. Listen, people hurt Jesus, didn't they? That's what we're afraid of. But all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, 
the Christian life is not one that we hide. It's one that we're proud uh, to be a Christian in a sense of not pride in ourselves, but that Jesus has saved us and called us and give us a purpose for this life. And we've got to share our lives. This church is never going to make a difference until we learn to share. Until we learn to share. Share what? Everything. Life. Come on, uh, there is no room uh, in, this, uh, in this world, uh, in God's kingdom, in God's church, for just being stingy. We've got to share. We've got to share the love of Christ. Uh, and we've got, listen, if you can't share your life with other Christians, you will never share your life with the lost world. And God, God's given me resources. He's given you resources. Why? So that we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God didn't give you and I resources so that we could live comfortable, cushy lives. He gave us resources so that we could reach the world with the gospel. I'm kind of tired of the statistics of can you imagine if all Christians gave? Can you imagine if all Christians served? Can you imagine if all Christians witnessed? Why in the world are we even saying that? It should just be that way, shouldn't it? It should just be that we've been saved, we've been called, we have a purpose, and we are bold about doing it in the world that God's called us to live in. Does not our world today need this? They need it. Real Christians living real lives in the real world. I'm I'm telling you, they're not going to come in uh, into God's church until maybe they've met you outside uh, of the church house and said, boy, if that's a Christian, I want to come and see. I want to understand what they know. Uh, Maybe I want to follow even who they're following. You know, people want to follow when they see something different. When they see something that they can't attain on their own. That they, listen, money can't buy it, can it? Success, popularity can't attain it. But Jesus, eternal life, he offers it freely, doesn't he? To all that would call upon him. And boy, we understand we've got a free gift. Let's share it. Why is the, what is the hardest thing that we're doing in church today? Trying to get people to share the gospel. I'm serious. It's, it, it's the hardest thing. You, we talk about, you get, you get 100 people out to a dinner, you get five people out to soul winning. I mean, people want to eat. People want to have fun. You, you blow up the inflatables. And listen, I'm not against it. We do it. We have fun. I love the events. I love all the good times and all that kind of stuff. But Christians, come on. Can we, can we be honest tonight? God forgive us for being so catty, for being, for being so selfish, for being so stingy, for thinking that church was for us and not for everybody. It's for the world. I mean, the world is dying and go to hell. Do we believe that or not? Sometimes we get all passionate. We're going to go on a missions trip. We're going to run across the entire planet, the globe, to tell someone about Jesus. If you won't cross the street, forget crossing the globe. If, if, you won't, if you won't be kind and show the love of Christ to your neighbor, you can forget changing geographic locations and becoming Adoniram Judson or Hudson Taylor. It, it's not going to happen. You, we need authentic Christianity, and that is sharing life, isn't it? Share. Incarnation, making Jesus real, making him known. Can I tell you tonight, there's only two kinds of people in this world. Those that are saved and those that are lost. You thought I was going to say Democrat and Republican. You thought I was going to say black or white. You, you thought I was going to say, that. listen, isn't it amazing how we segregate our culture? The truth is, 
When it boils down to it, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those that are saved and those that are lost. And the saved are left here for the lost. That's why we're here. That's why God has left us here to, hey, listen, wouldn't it be a lot easier if he just took us to heaven? It'd be a lot easier, but that's not his plan. And his plan was not that Christians would, would become like the world, would live like the world, would, would act, would talk like the world, but that we would display the different life that God has given us, that he truly has given us life. We didn't have life before Christ. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. People without Jesus may be full of the world, but they're missing life's true meaning. They may be hungry, sad, in despair, addicted to uh, harmful substances, wandering aimlessly. Some have hit, uh, uh, hit bottom. They, they may not see their need for Jesus. They may not even desire him at all. But listen tonight, loving relationships are the bridge to communicate the gospel and to begin the discipleship process. In other words, find somebody to love, to show the love of Christ to. I mean, uh, that, that person that everybody overlooks, that nobody... Listen, there's some people right now on my heart and mind, they're lost, and I know it, and boy, I'm just trying to connect with them. I'm trying to love them. I'm trying to share life with them. Isn't it amazing how... Listen, in the world, in the world, you're kind to people that are kind to you. In the world, you hang out with the people who want to hang out with you. In the world, you do for your friends. You know, the people who are your friends, you want to be with your friends. But in Jesus' economy, come on, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Come on, the woman at the well, who, by the way, every disciple walked past on the way to the village. As she came up uh, to the well, they walked right by her on the other side. And Jesus talked to her. And he shared life with her. And he interacted with her. And he sat down and he had a conversation with her. Someone who no one noticed, who had poor reputation. Listen, time after time after time, did not Jesus show that he wanted to share his life with people who no one cared about? With people who were destitute, with people who were hurting, with people who were sick, people who were poor, maimed, blind, halt, you fill in the blanks, and even the rich young ruler and everybody in between, Matthew, who sat at the seat of the customs. Jesus would cross by people and he would interact with them. Could you imagine if Jesus only sat on the hillside with his disciples all day, every day? That's why our youth groups aren't cutting it. Because we just want to hang out with everybody that we already know. We want to be with all the people that already like us. We want to enjoy time with people who enjoy being with us. We don't want to put ourselves out there to be rejected. He was despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Listen, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We who did not know him, he knew us, and he loved us before we ever even knew him. He loved us. And then he says to us, this is what I want you to do. I'm a little tired of Christians who say, I have no friends that are lost. I know no one that's lost. We have put ourselves in a plastic bubble. We have surrounded ourselves with people like us, and we cannot make a difference in the world that we live in. 
It's the truth. We will never make a difference, church, if we sit in our bomb shelter and we never leave it. We don't take everything we're hearing about. We don't take, listen, it's great hearing a a message about the life of Jesus Christ. But if you don't get inspired uh, to go out into this world and live it, what good is it? What does it do for us? Vision. For what? For us to fill the pews, to fill the offering plates, uh, to, to have a membership that's so large that we can't fit them all in the room. Listen, I'm, I'm okay with all of that as long as it's what Jesus wants. But what I'm saying to you tonight is it will never be accomplished by the means of men. It will never be accomplished by doing what we have done, what we are doing. We have got to do more. We've got to have a desire to share our lives the way Jesus shared his life. It's going to take an incarnation once again. It took an incarnation the first time. The word became flesh. Once again, may the word of God become flesh and dwell among them. You say, what are you talking about? The word of God in us. It should become flesh. People should see the word of God, not just hear the word of God. Oh, we want to preach it, people. But how we should just live the Christian life before people. Maybe they would hear us if they knew we cared for them. Not only do we see an incarnation, but we see an invitation. An invitation. In sharing, we incarnate Christ. We make him known in this world, but we also invite them. We invite people to respond to him. I talked about soul winning. You know, the truth is, is that 80% of Christians don't even invite people to come to church with them. I'm not talking about Invite them to follow Jesus, take them through the gospel. 80% of Christians don't even take a gospel track that's already pretty much done the job for them. We even give them, print them, you are invited. And 80% of Christians won't even go to a person and say, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your trials are. I'm not sure where your struggles are, but I know a group of people who will love you and will accept you and will encourage you And I'd like to introduce you to them. Can I just invite you to come and meet God's church? It's hard, really hard, isn't it? We'll talk to people about the weather. We'll talk to them about sports. We'll talk to them about entertainment. We'll talk to them about every other thing. But we never open up our mouths about inviting people to share life with a group of people who have found Jesus. It's it's amazing how we fail in this area, isn't it? But this is the failure of the church, is it not? Listen, we could have the greatest events known to man in church, but it's not going to get it done until God's people say, hey, listen, I care enough about the lost world to at least invite them to consider following Jesus by getting around a group of people. I'm confident that if people come to this place, they'll be loved. I am confident that they'll be treated well. I'm confident that they'll be befriended. I'm I'm confident that if they have a need, we'll do our best to supply. I'm confident of all these things. We have those things. Those are great. So here's the thing. Why are we not getting people in here? Are we here just to do that for us? I mean, we want to do favors for each other, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, love each other, go hang out. Listen, I love going out to eat with you and hanging out with you and having fun with you. And some people, they get all bent out of shape uh, when the pastor starts spending time with other people instead of spending time with them. Listen, we're, we're here. Listen, I'm okay with our relationship, aren't you? It's Sunday night. We're family. 
We had a little bit different crowd this morning. It's Sunday night, 5 o'clock. I know. You could be home watching the playoffs, doing a lot of other things. You came tonight because I believe you're serious. And so we're here tonight, so I'm just trying to share my heart and what we're going to do in order to make a difference. Who cares about what we put up on the wall or what banners we print or what tracks or what, what, what brochures or what videos we produce if we're not going to invite people to follow Jesus? We've got to invite them. And that's what sharing is all about, isn't it? Listen, some of us could share life with people if we would just invite them. Hey, why don't we go and have a cup of coffee together? Well, we don't even know each other. I'd like to change that. I'd like to change that. I want to I wanna get to know you. I want to share. Hey, listen, if you in this last year have seen someone come to the Lord Jesus Christ because you've invited them to church, I tell you, you know that it's the greatest feeling in the world. You know it. Keep doing it. When you see God change a life, it, it, there's nothing like it. We want more of it, don't we? I mean, are we done? Have we accomplished everything we're going to accomplish? I mean, it's amazing what we do. We have our holidays. We have our time. We have our me time. Listen, me time has overtaken all time. It's killing the church. Invitation. Listen, I, I, some people say, I can't come to church. I need family time. The best time you can spend with your family is in church. Spend time with your family serving God. Some of the greatest times that my family and I have is when we go out and we invite people to come to church and we share the gospel. So some of the greatest times, we have fun doing it. We, we really enjoy it. I look forward to it. We get to spend time doing something that actually matters. Instead of sitting in front of a television watching a movie that's non-relational where we're not talking to each other, we're not interacting with each other, what am I passing on to anyone? But it's a joy to be able to spend time with other Christians. And Listen, as, as there was men here that gathered here yesterday, I didn't do any of this. They put it all up. They did all the work for it, uh, put everything, did all the work. And, and listen, I'm so glad for all of that. And I just thought, boy, you know, I walked in, didn't hear any arguments. Everybody's having fun. They were enjoying time together. And you know, sometimes it's like you, you ask people to get together aside from church. And it's like, ah, I just don't, you know, that's not what I do. That's my, not my style. Change your style. Change your style to his style. It's Jesus' style. Should not Jesus' style of life be now our style of life? The way Jesus did life is the way you're supposed to do life. It's the way I'm supposed to do life. And we're supposed to do it together, aren't we? Share. Invitation. Follow me, Jesus would say. He made even greater investments of his time and energy into those who were responsive to his message. He chose to focus on the few, not the many, didn't he? He focused on those that followed. He spent extra time with them when they gave to his invitation, when they listened. You say, I don't know who to minister to. Give an invitation. If somebody accepts it and receives it, God's saying, spend time with them. Spend time with them. Help them take the next step. As we build the relational bridges to people, and as we pray, and ask God to open or try it. Find somebody who you pass almost every day and try to build a relationship with them. You say, I got better things to do. I got, I got this, I got that. No, you don't. God's put them in your path. He wants you to make a difference in their life. 
Come on, that pre- the preachers, old-time preachers, hellfire and brimstone preachers used to say, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and see people that are separated when the sheep are separated from the goats that you knew, that you could have told, that you could have invited, that you could have, that you could have said something to, and you're going to regret that you didn't. And I believe that's true. I really do. I believe I'm going to regret the people that I did not do, that I did not tell, that I did not invite, that I did not share with. What are we sharing primarily? We're sharing life, aren't we? Let's stop selling and let's start sharing. Say, what are you talking about? Churches have got into this mode where they're selling. They're like slick salesmen drawing people in. We're trying to sell, 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 and sell hard. Can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't need to be sold. He just needs to be shared. He just needs to be shared. Let's stop the sales pitch when we get to the door. Hi, I'm from such and such Baptist church, and I'm here, blah, 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 blah. You don't even know what you're saying anymore. And they know it's a spiel, just like you know it's a spiel. And you wonder why you have no fun doing it, why it got tired, why you made excuses, why you shouldn't do it anymore. Because it doesn't make a difference. Because you're doing it wrong, that's why. You're not sharing life with anybody. You're not, listen, by the way, you say, you still, you still think that it makes a difference? Yesterday, I knocked on a door. A guy came to the door, I had my two daughters with me. I said, hi, I'm Pastor Tyson from Open Door. I just wanted to introduce myself. I got my daughters here. This is Emma. I'm already sharing life with them. This is Emma. This is my daughter, Anna. We're just here at the door. He had a shirt on. It said, Poppy loves his grandkids. I said, I'm guessing you're Poppy. He said, yeah, I'm Poppy. He said, how'd you know that? I said, your shirt says you're Poppy. He goes, I didn't even know I was wearing that. He had a picture of his two granddaughters on there. I started talking to him. I said, isn't it great? That God blesses us with children. And I said, I hope I have grandkids just like you one day. That I get to be poppy. And he said, he said, well, your daughters are beautiful. I said, you can't have them. <laughs> and we were laughing and he said, you know what? He goes, you want some cookies? My wife makes cookies. He said, you want some? And he said to the girls, you want cookies? And they're like, should we take cookies? We don't know this guy. They looked at me, Dad, we're not supposed to take cookies from strangers, right? See, he's not a stranger anymore. That's Poppy. We take cookies from Poppy. You know, I thought, Poppy needs Jesus. He does. God let me meet him yesterday. If I wasn't there for anybody else, I was there for Poppy. Poppy said to me, he goes, you know, he says, your church like this? He said, you just friends and stuff? And I said, yeah. I said, why don't you... Why don't you come out? He says, is information on the card? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to come out. Bring my wife. I said, bring your cookies. (laughs) Poppy needs Jesus. So what do I need to do? I need to share life with him. Because God brought him into my life. God did. You believe that? I do. I really do. I don't think that I met him. I don't think that was a coincidence. I don't think... I think it was deliberate. Now, I had to go. I had to obey God. I had to show up. I had to go out, get some gospel. Deliberate about going out. But I didn't know I was going to meet Poppy. I didn't know I was going to meet him. 
But we've got to share it. And listen, sometimes we just stop at that. Well, set my spiel, gave him the track. See you later. We're never, never, never going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish until we reach people like Poppy who are all over this area. You say, how many churches are going to take? I don't care. How? Listen, listen, we need more churches in this area like never before. I, ho- I hope we have hundreds of churches. You say, why? You want to bring them? I don't care where they go as long as they hear the gospel. I, I want them to hear the gospel and be saved so they don't go to hell. Listen, I want them to be part of the family of God. I'm going to spend eternity with them. We're too busy focusing on our kingdoms and building our kingdoms. It's not about open door, it's about Jesus and what he wants to do through us. Invitation. We build relational bridges. We pray and ask God to open doors. Do you still believe that God opens doors that nobody can shut? And he shuts doors that nobody can open. Do you still believe that that's our God? So forget thinking, well, that's too hard. That person will never be reached. There's no person who the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot change and reach. Disciple makers learn that discipling lost people is a process. It's not a one-time thing. Every person you and I meet and give the gospel to is not going to fall on their face and say, Sir, what must I do to be saved? It's not going to happen that way. Not with everybody. Some people it does, but not with everybody. And we've got to be committed to the process of sharing uh, with people. The second thing I want to give you tonight, the second word is connect. Connect. What is the strategy of making disciples? Share. Number two, connect. We help new Christians that have received Christ, that have taken the invitation to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do two things uh, with them. We connect them to the life of Jesus Christ. And by, uh, listen, by connecting them to our life, we should be able to connect them to the life of Jesus Christ because we should be living his life. Paul said, be you followers of me as I follow Christ. You know what I understand is I'm nobody, but I want to connect people, befriend people, get involved with people, love people, Because I'm supposed to let Christ live through me. And the only way to introduce them to Christ is by me living like Christ and being their friend. And showing them what it is to be a Christian. To be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe more people would want to be disciples if they met more disciples. I said to you this morning, the problem is that we're too comfortable with being Christians I'm saved. Listen, we come in tonight and say, I know Christ, I'm saved. Are you a disciple is the question. You could be saved and not a disciple. You could be saved and not following. Too many people are coming in thinking, I'm saved. I don't, I've got that done. I don't need to pray the prayer. I don't need to go forward. I don't need to, I'm here in church. I'm saved. I'm good. But if you're not following Jesus, if you're not following him, if you're not living out the life that he gave for you to live, you're missing the boat. You're missing. I told you three times in the Bible uses the word Christian. Over 270 times we have the word disciple. Because God intends every Christian to be a disciple. But not all Christians are disciples. They're not all following. Oh, they're following a lot of things. Most following the world. Following the trends. Following the fads. And listen, some Christians even follow the trend of being a Christian. 
You say, what are you talking about? Sometimes in our world, it is a fad to be a Christian. It is popular to be a Christian. That's why when people are polled, they say, I'm a Christian. Because it's popular to be a Christian. Listen, they would not associate with the name if it cost them something. That's what being a disciple is. See, when it was going to cost Peter something, he denied him. He denied him. He learned to be a disciple, but he, always, he wasn't always a disciple. He was becoming a disciple. We connect. There's two words I want to give you underneath that. That's association. It means that like Jesus, we establish ongoing relational connections with those that respond to him. Jesus stayed with people who God raised up and were responsive to his call. He shows us that we have to be close to people to build discipling relationships like Jesus did. Listen tonight, you know, you know just like I do, the people that uh, have made a difference in your life, the people that just got close to you and just shared life with you and were okay with you being around them, we're okay. Listen, it, it's, it's funny being around new Christians. They say funny things. They do silly things. They do things they're not supposed to do, and they don't even know they're not supposed to do them. And some, of, some Christians just need to say, it's okay. It's okay. They don't know. You ever see a kid do something they're not supposed to do? Sometimes we chuckle. We laugh. Not because it's, it's, it's right for them to do wrong, but sometimes it just catches us off guard. They said something they shouldn't have said. They did something they, they shouldn't have done, and we're just like, you know, that's not supposed to be that way, but we know they don't know any better. You know, how many of us know you're not supposed to run through the church in your underwear? But I tell you, if a, if a bunch of babies got out of the nursery tonight, they'd be doing it. And they wouldn't care if you saw it. And then sometimes it's, it's, it's like that in church. Some people don't know. And listen, we've got to stop being old grouches sitting in the pews thinking, well, everybody doesn't dress the right way and do the right thing and say the right thing, and they do this and they do that, and they say that, and everybody, bless God, needs to do right and do right and do right. They don't know any better. They're just baby Christians. You didn't do that when you had kids. You didn't want them to be 60 when they were born, did you? Some of us need to stop being 60 now. We're not. And if you're 60, be 60. But I'm, I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling you tonight, we, we, need to, we need to grow as Christians and be okay that there's some other people around us that are still growing. We establish these connections with them. The second word's consecration. It means like Jesus, we help people obey God's teachings. Isn't that part of the Great Commission? We baptize them and we what? We teach them to observe all things whatsoever God's commanded. Do people need to learn to obey God? Yes, they do. Do people need to learn to obey the scriptures? Yes, they do. But don't hit them with the book. God never hit anybody with the book. Jesus didn't do that. You say, I'm going hit, hit them with the book. You know who he hit with the book? You, you, you can take it with scriptures. He hit the Pharisees with the book. He didn't hit the woman taken in adultery with the book. He didn't hit the Good Samaritan with the book. He didn't hit Zacchaeus with the book. He hit the religious Pharisees with the book. Why? Because that's what they needed. And every religious person, person that thinks that they're self-righteous, person that thinks that they're going to heaven by their own works and by what they're doing, because they're so good, they're so good, they can't connect with anybody down here, they need to be hit with the book. But I'm, I'm telling you tonight that... We don't need to do that with baby Christians. They need to learn it. Even God said, we're not choking them. 
We're feeding them the milk of the word that they may grow thereby. You say, well, abrasive is my style. It wasn't Jesus's. Well, he went into the temple with the whip to chase out who? The religious, once again. He did not do that. He was not mean and abrasive and crude. Hey, listen, he looked at the woman who was taking adultery and as her accusers walked away because he was gracious and kind and loving towards her, he picked her up and he loved her and he said, go and sin no more. He didn't beat her up. People don't need to be beat up. People don't need their faces ripped off. Listen, I I tell you, people that are religious and people that are are trusting in some kind of uh, traditional uh, thing to get them to heaven, maybe they need a a little hard talk. Maybe they need a little heavy uh, thing. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about people that don't know Jesus. What do they need? They need help to obey God's word. They need us to help them. How, How do we help them? By living out God's word ourselves. By example, some things are better caught than taught, aren't they? Some things are just better caught than taught. Some things people just see and they say, I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. And then they ask. I love it. We had had children this morning. They asked me some questions. I love that. They ask questions about Jesus and and different things. And and I had even somebody ask me a question about heaven today. I thought, that's wonderful. They want to know. They want to know. They want to, you know, say, I'm busy. I'm the pastor. You don't see, I don't have time for this. Some people, that's what we're like. We don't have time. We don't have time to help anybody. We don't have time to, to help people obey God's teaching. That is the job of the church, to teach them to observe all things, to help them to understand the word of God. Number three, train. Train. What does God want us to do? Make disciples, baptize them, teach them, train them. Once a, a Christian's been connected with other disciples and learning how to obey Christ, they need to experience spiritual growth. They need to be taught. They need to be trained. You know, uh, sometimes, uh, don't you wish sometimes that somebody just taught you, trained you some of the things you learned on the job training? Come on, sometimes uh, I'm glad, I'm thankful that I, I got raised in church because I learned some things that you as an adult, some, some of you that got saved as adults, you didn't get taught that as a child. You, don't, you know how you learned? Failure. That's how you learn. You want everybody to learn that way? I don't, I don't think people need to learn that. I think we need to teach them. We need, we need to train them. We need to help them. And uh, there's three words underneath this, and I'm going to move quickly for sake of time tonight. But number one, demonstration. Demonstration. It means that Jesus showed his disciples how to minister. He showed them how to minister. You know, people need to be, they need to see the Christian life demonstrated, don't they? They need to see how, how in the world is somebody going to learn what you know if you don't get alongside them and teach them. And by the way, we all know it doesn't just get accomplished on a Sunday. Some people, listen, some people it's going to be a long time before they ever visit the church. Some people will be a long time before they ever visit the church on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Some people, they think they're doing some awesome thing just because they come on Sunday mornings. They, they, I mean, they just think, wow, that's, that's the best I mean, that's awesome. I never used to do that. That's a step. Listen, what are we trying to do? Teach them, train them. There's more steps to take. And by the way, can I say this? You haven't arrived when you attend all the services. Some people think they arrive when that happens. I I arrived. I go to all the services and I go to soul winning. I've arrived. No, no, no. That doesn't mean you arrived. 
Hopefully that means that you're growing, you're serving, you're around. Listen, some people, listen, they think attendance is the end. I showed up. Wow me now, pastor. I showed up. I'm here. I'm here. I'm in the seat. But why do we come together? To serve, to consider one another, to provoke one another, to love and to good works, to learn the word of God, to worship together, to pray together, to bear one another's burdens. When's the last time you helped anybody bear a burden? Sometimes we're bearing so many burdens, we we think, well, I've got enough of my own burdens, I can't bear anybody else's. Well, maybe you need to lay aside some of your burdens, give them to Jesus, and start helping somebody else. You know the best way to lose your burden is by helping somebody else carry theirs? It is. The, The best way to forget about your problems is to find someone who has worse problems than you do and help them. It is. It's the best way, it's the best way to lose your problems. The, 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 the best way not to be so self-focused is by serving. Some people, they resist serving. You say, why do you, why do you ask people to sign up for the nursery? Because people need to serve. Why do you ask people to hand out bullets? Because people need to serve. Why do you ask people to attend the parking lot? Because people need to serve. Why do you ask people to do this and do that? Because people need to serve. You say those are unimportant. No, they're important. They're for God. They're, they're good things. They're accomplishing a task. Listen, we need to serve, don't we? We have events and different things. You say, well, I want to I be here to enjoy. I want to be here. Listen, we got to get past the uh, consumer mentality when it comes to church. I'm here as a consumer. You're here to offer me a service, and I'm here to consume. we got to get past that. Listen, how many know when your children grow up, they no longer are consumers. Hopefully, they become providers. When Christians grow up, it works the same. Uh, They're no longer consumers, they're providers. They learn that they're here to provide a service for others. They're here to provide. They learn that the resources that God has given them, they're here to share them. Not that God gave them them for themselves, but he gave them, the Bible says, to meet the needs of other people. When we grow up, we learn not to be consumers, we learn to be providers. We learn to be contributors, don't we? We learn that we can help someone else accomplish a task that many people, many hands make light work. That if we will work together and serve together, we can accomplish much to the glory of God. Not for us, for Him. And we need to work together. Demonstration. Some people need, to, some people need you to show them how to do things. We were talking last night, had a group of men here, we were talking about uh, some, some of the men had never ushered before, and so we're going through and talking about usher. And, and I, I made this statement. I, they, said, uh, they said, I don't know how to do this. I said, how would you know? How would you just, you don't, you don't just know how to do that. I think sometimes people just think that. Everybody knows how to take the offering. Everybody knows how to do it. Everybody knows, everybody. No, everybody doesn't know. Everybody, some people, they need to be taught and trained how to do things. And boy, it's important, isn't it? You think receiving the offering from the church, people offering to God in worship, you think that's important? I think it's important. Do you want them to be spirit-filled? Yes. Do you want them to be consecrated to God? Absolutely. Is there anything that's not important that goes on in the house of God? You think nursery workers should be spirit-filled? I do. They better be or they're, gonna, they're gonna be, not going to be there for long, I'll tell you. Listen, it's amazing how when people get involved and and they serve the Lord, we've got Sunday school teachers, people teach. Do you think that people teaching the word of God to children is important? 
Do you think that people going and picking up kids and, and bringing them to church, do you think that's important? You think that all that stuff's important? You think we ought to be spirit-filled? Do you think people should get involved in doing it? Absolutely. Listen, are we here to, to feed the machine? Or are we here to serve God? Sometimes we look at the church like it's a machine. We're just here to operate. We're not robots. We're people. And they're people. And we're here to serve people. And hopefully, you know what? Hopefully, we'll be able to hand that job off to somebody else. Sometimes we become teachers and trainers. We used to do the tasks, and now we teach people how to do the tasks. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's like being a parent. We used to be the child, and now we're the parent. It's scary, isn't it? It's scary. But it's a, it's a fun thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a, an awesome responsibility. Demonstration. Jesus cared for people. He spoke to people who nobody else would. He healed people who desperately needed healing. He read scriptures and explained them to people. Did not Jesus spend the bulk of his ministry explaining the scriptures to people? Teaching them in ways that they could understand. Helping them to understand even so much that the children wanted to come and listen to him because that's who he was. He spent his life doing that, demonstrating. You know, along with your successes, when you're demonstrating the Christian life, they'll see your shortcomings and your failures and how you handle things when you make a mistake. If you're a parent, you know how important that is to parenting. Children don't need to have perfect parents. They just need to have parents who handle mistakes in a Christ-like manner. That's it. They don't need to know their parents are perfect. They don't need to think their parents are perfect. You know what I understand tonight? You don't need a perfect pastor. You just need one that when he makes mistakes, to own up to them, to handle them correctly. You say, you make a lot of them, pastor. I know we see them all the time. I know. I know I do. One day I hope I attain just what you have attained. You know, you know we're, we're here. We're going to make mistakes but we're going to watch each other how we handle the mistakes, how we handle the problems. You think it does anybody any good when you see a problem and you complain about it? You think it helps anybody when you, when you have an inter- altercation, God forbid, a disagreement with someone else? You know sometimes other Christians disagree with other Christians. It happens. It's amazing. You know sometimes that happens, but you know what the most amazing thing is? You know, we have an opportunity to teach younger Christians and children how to handle problems in a Christ-like manner. That when we have a disagreement, when we have trouble, that we are call ourselves to the word of God, that we'll handle things the way God says, that we will be kind one to another, that we will be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Some people learn less about the Christian life in church, in church, than they do everywhere else. Because some people handle problems better in the world than some people do in church. We got the word of God. We got the instruction. Demonstration. Delegation. It simply means that Jesus gave his disciples something to do. You delegate when you assign someone a task. You know, some people just need a job. They need something to do. I'm looking in the back. Chad's back there. He's, he's controlling the screens tonight. You know, he came to me just several months ago and just said, what do you need me to do? I gave him that to do. You know, he's here tonight. He's doing it. You, you only thought about it because I just called attention to it. And when he makes a mistake, you think about him. 
But you know, most people, when they do their jobs right, as Brother Rogers said on Wednesday, you don't notice. You don't see. That's pretty much how the Christian life is. When, when it, things are going the way that they should, you just don't notice, you don't see. But when things go wrong, boy, we notice. When somebody doesn't show up, when somebody doesn't fulfill a task, when someone doesn't do something, could you imagine Sunday morning without bulletins? The thing that people ignore week after week after week, but if you didn't have one, you would notice. You would notice. People notice when things don't go right, but they don't notice when things go as they should, should plan. Delegation, giving some supervision. Supervision, it means that Jesus made his disciples accountable. Supervision, is, it's, it's like coaching. It's tremendously important in the Christian life. People just need some supervision. They need to be coached through life. They need to be encouraged through life. And, and boy, we know the coach doesn't play the game, but he's sure on the sidelines making a lot of noise, isn't he? What's he doing? Holding them accountable to the plays, to the commands, to the instruction, to the practice. He's just holding them accountable. Don't we need accountability in God's kingdom? God knows that. That's why he calls us together, to be accountable. Don't resist organized religion. God organized the church for a purpose. He set things in order as they were wanting. He called for us to come together underneath his instruction. And he knows accountability is what we need. Sometimes we, we, we struggle with that. We don't want to be accountable, but we need accountability. And then lastly tonight, release. Release. It's the last word. Release to be a disciple maker. In this last stage, we, we really expect mature disciples to learn to do two things. I want to give them to you. Number one is reproduction. That's reproduce other disciples. And we trust the Holy Spirit's impartation in their lives to guide them. Let me just give you the definition. I'll be done tonight. Reproduction means that Jesus anticipated fruitfulness. You know what? Jesus, and if you're a mature Christian, Jesus anticipates fruitfulness in your life. He anticipates that you're going to reproduce yourself in someone else. If Jesus has done something for you and it's authentic, you know what? You have a natural desire to do it for someone else. You'll want to do it for someone else. You know what's interesting? Because people that have good parents naturally almost want to be good parents. People that have parents that, that do as they should, that are faithful and they see, they see a good marriage. You know, most people that see a good marriage, they want to, have, they want to be married. People that experience and see bad marriages, they don't want to be married. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to repeat a relationship that's been modeled to them that's bad. But when we see something, listen, can I say this tonight? Is, is not the Christian life reproducible? And should not it be reproduced? As a matter of fact, it is the mission that God's given us. Reproduce. Reproduce. Do for someone else what's been done for you. So here's the thing. Someone came to you. Someone shared the gospel with you. Someone invited you to God's house. You've heard the word of God. You've been taught the word of God. You're learning the word of God. You're growing in the word of God. What are you supposed to do next? Find somebody else to do for them what's been done for you. That's it. You know, if everybody in the room did that, everybody in the room did that, many of the problems that we have as a church would be gone. It's the truth. We wouldn't be nitpicking. We wouldn't be internal. We wouldn't be selfish. We wouldn't even have some of the problems that we have as far as financially and some of the things that we have because we would just be what we should be. I mean, we would accomplish God's, God's plan for the church works, doesn't it? 
And can I say this? Church still works. It still works. The model doesn't need to be thrown out. The methods don't even need to be thrown out. You know what happens is we, we've got a, a group of people today that are calling into question God's methods. And it's sad because we think because the culture's changed, the methods must change. No, the means change, but the methods don't change. The message stays the same. The methods stay the same. The means by which we carry out the message and the methods sometimes change. But we don't need to throw out the model because God gave us the model. The world's thrown out the model of the home. They've thrown out the model of marriage. They've thrown out the model of government. They've thrown out the model of education. They've thrown everything that God has given out. How's that working out there? Pretty bad, isn't it? Why in the world is church stepping back from God's word and saying, we need to throw out this model? No, church works. It works. It really does. If we just do what God says we should do, it, it works. We don't need better methods. We need better men. It's the truth. We need better men. You know, there's too many men looking for a better method. If God, we just fall on our faces and say, God, make us better men. God, make us better people. God, help us to be what we should. We'll accomplish We'll accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in the world today. Reproduction. Impartation. Impartation means that Jesus gave his followers his spirit. You know what we have tonight? God's spirit. You believe that? Do you? You wake tonight, you're still awake. I know it's so long, it's been so long, I know. You go home, you'll watch a couple hours of TV, you'll be okay. We have his spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, by his spirit. How are we going to accomplish a single thing without his spirit? Why are we living without it? Why are we living without it? Let's make a decision tonight. Not one more day living without the power of his spirit. Not one more day. Did not God intend for Christians to live and operate in the power of the spirit of God? What are we doing? Oh, we're looking for power in other places. We're looking for pull in other places. We're looking for potential in other places. We're we're saying it can be done by these means. We can do it. Listen, listen. You know what I know tonight? The world entertains much better than the church ever will. Why in the world am I going to try to compete with the world's entertainment? You know what's going to come off as? Cheesy. And most churches that try to compete with the world's level of entertainment, the Super Bowl will be much better than most churches' worship experiences. And I'm telling you tonight, why in the world are we trying to compete with the entertainment of this world? Why are we not just operating the power of God? That's why I said tonight, no gimmicks, no giveaways, no lights, no fireworks, no candles, nothing. We don't need them. You know what we need? God's spirit. God's spirit. I need it tonight. You need it tonight. You know what some young people need to know? That it works. It's simple, but it works. Come on, don't tell me that Jesus had a platform. Don't tell me that he had all the stuff that we are saying you need in order to accomplish this. Jesus didn't have it and Jesus didn't need it. And if Jesus lived today, he wouldn't need any of it still. When Jesus is in the house... He'll draw a crowd. When when Jesus is in the house, he'll bring people to himself. When Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. So what do we need to do? 
Come, operate in the power of God. Be right with God. Be followers of God. Follow God's word. Listen, the strategy is very simple. But it's going to take some work, isn't it, on our part? We said this morning, when we follow, we have to leave, right? They left their nets, they followed. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from following tonight? What relationship is keeping you from following tonight? What, what hang-up, what, what, what addiction, what, what hurt, what, what experience is keeping you from forsaking all and following Him? You say, you believe, listen, I know we don't have a packed house tonight. I know that there are not thousands here tonight. I know this is not being live streamed to the world and all the satellites. But I do know this. Jesus did it with 12. Jesus did it with 12. There are people with more doing less. There are people with more doing less. We uh, were sitting at a dinner, and I uh, was sitting next to, we have some of Pastor Clark's people here tonight, sitting next to Mrs. Clark. And I uh, just was talking to her, and she just leaned over, and she said just one sentence, and boy, this just had a lot of impact on me. She said, you know, Pastor Tice, I just want to tell you something. Bigger isn't always better. Bigger isn't always better. And I thought, wow, I mean, their church is bigger than ours. I don't know how many they had this morning, but I know they probably had over 1,000 in church, not in several services, in one. I know their building is larger. And she just said, bigger isn't always better. And I thought, that just, you know how much that ministered to me? Because you know what we think? We got to attain. We've got to, we've got to, oh, we got to blow it out. We got it. We've got it. We've got it. We've got it. We've got it. Forget we. What about him? What about his spirit? What have we done? We built a machine. It's time that we disassemble the machine. We just say, God, here's the parts. What do you want to do with them? God, we're your members. We're members of your body. What do you want to do with us? Jesus had 12. And those 12 literally had influence in turning their known world upside down. Look at the Bible. Jesus never was with the big crowd. He was always, always the few, wasn't it? The crowds always caused the problems. But the few. You say, you don't want a crowd? No, I'd love to preach to as many people as God let me preach to. But you know what I understand? What's going to get it done? is the few that follow Jesus. Let's be those few. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.